because I know for myself, just getting into expanding the brand and getting out of as much of the brick and mortar work, it's been a lot more challenging than I could have anticipated really. Although I guess I would say that several times in my career and in my life, I've learned to manage rough waters until you get to that smoother sailing. And for me, I know that if I stick to and stay consistent with what I'm passionate about and I stick to my message, it's going to work out. But uh, there's always little things that come up. Like, for example, if I'm going to get up 4.30 in the morning is when I get up, right? And I'm going to do about two to three hours of work uninterrupted. That's when I get to do that. And I was telling my wife this, that I don't like to have to sit there and do tasks that I know anybody could do or somebody else could do better than I could. I like to stick to the things that I feel passionate about. And I feel like that time is better spent doing those things. So that's what I started to surround my team. Of course, my, my wife is a very important part of the team, Erin, and she, look, if you know, she, she definitely deserves 50% of the company, you know, she does her, her part of things as well, but she tends to manage the things I don't want to do as much. So I lucked out there. And then for somebody like my assistant, Billy Haug, you know him, he went to school uh, and he, he went to school for nutrition and he's waiting to get into medical school. And so in that internship, I started to realize that Billy could do a lot of research for me, for example, for the podcast. So when I'm researching topics, that's one thing I, I like to delve into some of these issues that we get questions from our listeners. And I think, oh, that's an interesting point of view. Let me find out some facts behind this. But I, what I don't like to do is to have to go through all these different different case studies and make sure that I actually have some value and validity behind what I'm thinking. I like to make sure that I have that so I have a professional answer, but I don't like to necessarily be the one to have to do all that. So he does that for me, for example, right? So, and people would say, hey, you know, why do you have these expenses, for example, right? Why are you paying an assistant? Why are you paying a producer? You know, my producer, Jake, you know, you can do all that stuff yourself. You don't need any. And I think, well, because my listeners deserve better, I like what you're saying, that quality needs to be there. And if I'm going to put the time in to really serve them, I can't spend all that time figuring out how to use a particular side of technology that's just not my forte or something I don't care about. I'm going to have Jake look into that. Yeah. And I think that that's what goes right along with what I was saying in a long-winded way is I'm self-admitting not being very handy, you know, but I also have the mentality that my time is better served doing other things. As much as I want to tell myself that I could go fix my truck when it breaks down or even change my oil. I, 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 I wish I could tell you, Oh yeah, no problem. But my deal is I would rather pay somebody at that specializes in that, that it gets done right, gets done timely. They're better at it. That's what they do. They're more suited for it. And I can go use my talents to make sure that I can afford to have them to do that when it's needed to be done or, you know, create another opportunity. And I think that there's all kinds of different intricacies in business and there's all kinds of different personnel that make up an organization in business. And I think that being a CEO or being a president or being a leader in an organization or mid management, whatever you're at, you have to make sure that you do that to the best of your ability and take every day and take 
be a sponge, learn something every day, take something out of it, know what your strengths were that day, what your weaknesses, where you can improve as a manager, where you can improve as an employee. How do I get promoted? How do I, as a manager, when do I promote somebody? When do I give them a raise? When do I call them in and, and review what they're doing? And, and if you start to think about like what you said with Jake is, well, yeah, you're going to have him go review the new software. Like I did with Tom or clay, because I have no idea what I'm looking at self-admittingly, but there's things that I can do that they'll admit that they can't do. And that's, that's the, the, the difference in everything, even in a band or a team or, or, you know, you got a water boy and you got a trainer. Well, a lot of athletes need a good, you know, medical trainer or sports, sports therapy to make sure that their bones and their muscles and their ligaments and their joints and their tendons are all in good health for their activity. If they wasn't for those guys, that athlete would be nothing. So you, it's the same in business. You have to know what your strengths are and know what your team strengths are and make sure that you, you know, you go and you, you let them utilize those strengths to succeed and keep giving them more to build on to where they keep reaching higher and higher. And I think that's where we're going is, yeah, man, we got, we, have reached out of just duck hunting. We have gone into more avenues, you know, more segments of the country, whether it's cooking or whether it's automotive or whether it's athletics or whether it's recording and country music and songwriting or any kind of music for that fact, for that matter. And I think that if you, if you keep that up and you're not just a sporadic ADD kind of guy going, Oh, I think I'm gonna do this, but you show them a plan and you, they see results or, you know, the results driven and they see a goal in mind, then they're like, yeah, man, let's get, let's do it because it makes sense. It goes with what we're doing. And we're lucky because hunting is made up of so many different walks of life. I talked to you about training and hunting again about this article muscle and fitness is all came about because of a mallard duck i was able to uh, you know go after the right public relations to get an opportunity to be in these periodicals or these this media or this multimedia um, format of magazines or websites or whatever and then we through muscle and fitness i'm able to go to you and say hey man there's this deal going on and then we're both in there and i think that if if i didn't have the mindset of like being able to reach out and say I want to hire a good PR firm because there's a lot of stuff out there going on every day. Think about what's going on just within 50 miles of where you're sitting right now. You don't know anything. You don't know nothing. I don't know what's going on. There's business being done all around us daily that we have no touch points to. And that is my whole mentality is like, I know I can be doing more. I just need to get out there more. So I hire people to go find this. And then all of a sudden you got an opportunity here. I just went on the news in Nashville. I'm getting ready to go on the news in Salt Lake City with Traeger and cook wild game. That's going to open doors. I'm always thinking like, if I don't go do that, if I don't have PR and I don't have all these touch points out there, well, how would I ever do this? I didn't call it muscle fitness. Go, man, I'm, I do bicep curls every day and this is, and then they go, wow, we're interested in that. No, you got to build the story into it. They got to have somebody selling you. And then they come to you and you're, and they're like, here's the questions, here's the interview. And then I'm able to bring Pandola fitness. I mean, Pandola training and Pandola project into it and boom. And that's what I think is the, the vision of being able to like include people, make touch points, network, rely on that network. That's what my strengths are. But without all of the little details being handled, this table being made, these chairs being able to be afforded, the 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 knowledge of Tom and Clay that went into knowing which microphones to get and these microphone arms. If you look underneath you and you see all these plugins here and all of this, all of these cords that are wrapped up and there, it's all clean. This false floor, I'd have no idea how to do that. No clue. I'm but self-admitting. It's like that. My vision though was like, man, I see this. 
Now let's go put it together and put the right people in place to get there. And that's the secret is, man, you got to be able to put the right people in place and then keep them in place. And growing businesses and trying to build national brands, you're going to lose people. I've watched you lose people. I've lost people. You can't dwell on it. You can't dwell on it. If you think about there's everybody every day is making moves and in, 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 in moving on to bigger and brighter things in their opinion and more power to them. So you just say, all right, good luck to you. I'm proud of you. Go do it. And you just stay focused. You stay in your lane and you keep the people in your infrastructure that you know are going to get you to the goal line. And that's all. That's the secret of it, man, is that I, you, you can't let people go that you know that are going to get there. If they choose to leave, that's them. That's up to them. But you got to do everything in your power to keep the right team together. And I think that's why you see franchise players like Mike Trout sign big contracts. You go back to athletics, the contracts that like LeBron James get, the contracts that these big franchise players get, those owners and those GMs and those player personnel in the development stages in Major League Baseball or NFL or basketball or whatever it is, they pay those big contracts to the right people so they can put the support around them. But with that big name there, they have the ability to fill, put asses in the seats, sell a lot of merchandise and jerseys with that person's name on it. And what does that do? It creates more revenue and more money to go get more talent, a better field, better facilities, better chartered jets to get them there safely. Whatever it is, the management, the owner's always thinking and they're always moving pieces around to put the best team on the field. And you got to do what it takes to keep that team together. Dynasties never stay together, but hopefully they can stay together long enough to make their mark, right? And that's what a dynasty does. They come in, they make their mark, they get talked about a lot, and then they all get dispersed and they go their different directions to end their careers. Maybe your team stays together forever. And if you can do that in business, there's businesses in our local area that have employees 30, 40 years, and that's your goal right? You got to create that feeling of why would we leave? I don't want to leave. This is where I want to work. And you give them that feeling of, Hey, we want you here. We want you to be part of this team. Go do what you're good at. And I think that's what we've done. And I think the proof's in the pudding. If you have the ability to take a brand to the next level and it gets there and then it stays there and you keep it there. Well, what do you, what are you doing to do that? You have to look at that. What are the leaders doing to keep those brands at the top? You ever thought about that? Have you ever just sat down and went, man, I wonder what I'm doing to stay at the top of my game? Well, no shit. You're working hard. You're waking up early. You got vision. You have clarity and thinking. You have the right mindset. You're competitive just to the point to where you're not going to overdo it. You treat people right. You At least you feel that you do. You might make some mistakes. You might cut, like I said, burn a bridge here, cut ties here. It's all relative. You have to look at it like no, in, in life, people come in and out of your life every day. You never know who's going to be there for the long haul. You just never know. You never know if you're going to meet somebody unless you really sit there and, and develop a good foundation of communication and transparency and honesty and respect. And even then something could go wrong. You just never know who's going to come in and out of your life. And that to keep a brand going, you have to be able to read people and give them what they want. Tom comes in here in a bad mood. I'm just like, all right, I'm just lay off of him. Let him be sulky today. If he knows I'm in a pissed off mood, he just, whatever, go on and do your thing. And then when you come back together, you let all that shit go. And then you go, you, you get the task done. You got to You got to There's so much that goes into it. It's, it's, it's not easy building a brand and building a company and building a lucrative company is not easy. Yeah, no, you've done an amazing job. I tell you, just even getting back to the muscle and fitness, which I know we're going to discuss that a little bit today. 
honestly, never did I think when you came in as a client and quite honestly, you just needed to lose some weight. I didn't even necessarily Ouch. look at you. Well, you did, you know, <laughs> but hey, listen, you talked about that in the article so I can say it, right? Yeah. But listen, you did. You needed to lose some weight. A little, little bit of weight loss is okay. Everybody, probably a lot of people, that's what they do want to come in for essentially. At least you're honest about saying, hey, I want to look good too. I think that's an honest response. But I never thought, well, this is a guy that's going to get me as a trainer into muscle and fitness. I, you know, and that's for me, this has been a bucket list thing. I mean, I've been reading muscle and fitness my entire life, really. And growing up, I remember looking at guys like, I don't know, Stallone, of course, he was kind of my big influence. I wanted to be the next uh, Rocky, right? Yeah, who and, didn't? Right, who didn't, exactly. And um, But, you know, looking at articles that showed how you would do like a Rocky workout and things like that, you know, and this is, yeah, it influenced me quite a bit. Eventually, I came to understand more about what I was meant to do, which was a little bit more geared towards endurance sports. And I wasn't going to quite look like Rocky or, or punch as hard as him, at least the movie version of him. So, you know, I ended up letting some of that go in my mind that I would ever have that kind of an opportunity. And, um, it kind of floats back to what you were saying though, Chad, I believe that, you just do the best that you can. You serve people the best you can. You put your passion into it. You stick with your roots. You have a good team around you. And eventually, though, I think these opportunities do come, sometimes when you least expect it. And I, am of course, was so psyched to hear that uh, you're going to be in this magazine. And the fact that I have even just being a spoke in the wheel was was pretty awesome. So, uh, yeah, let's talk about muscle and fitness. Yeah, I think that it's, you know, I went back to the just having vision of when you when somebody sits down and says, well, what are your goals? You don't, You can't just say all right, well, I have three short-term goals and I have four long-term goals. I just try to provide a vision of, well, this is what I'm doing. These are the, these are the areas and the touch points that I have. This is what I'm really into. And I try to show that by, you know, whether it's in TV or whether it's in social media or our live events, I try to show people that I'm really into some things in life, such as hunting, such as family, such as fitness and trying to stay in the best shape of my life of, of, I don't want to ever have that mentality of, well, you know, I don't need to work out. I don't need to watch what I eat. I'm, you know, I was a high school athlete. I'm fine. I just, I just know that I've, I wanted to work out every day ever since I quit playing sports. And I've showed that through my association with whether it was a baseball player or a football player or an MMA fighter or whoever I was with, I have always showed my allegiance or my, my fondness of sports and competitiveness and fitness and training. And then my relationship with you, I've always went into the gym with the mentality of like, I'm going to better myself and make a better version of myself. Like you guys preach and teach there. I don't like the word preach, but the way that you guys talk and motivate people, I've always had that same mentality is that I, I do want to be having an unreal life when I'm 75 years old. I think it's possible. We see the guy we talk about Les Nesbitt all the time. He's 79 and he's rocking. And I think that when I sat down with these guys, they're like, well, where do you see yourself or where do you want to be? I was like, well, here's what I'm interested in. This is what I love. And I just laid it out. I love the backyard aficionado lifestyle. I love to entertain my friends. I love to cook on a grill. I love to hunt and fish. I love to work out. I love sports and I love music and I love to be a provider. 
And that's they. So that's when these guys started taking that, and they started watching the moves that I was making. So one day I was I I put up some a jump rope video and a video of me doing ropes in your gym a couple weeks or month maybe a month ago. And that's when this guy in this PR firm that I work with called me and said, Hey man, this, this is a cool angle of all these posts you're making are dedicated to feeling better and be staying healthier to enjoy your season more or capitalize the most you can in a hunt. And then I started talking to him. I'm like, yeah, because we have a mentality in our, in our, in our segment of hunting well, we're not a sheep hunter. We're not a big game hunter. We don't need to climb 10,000 foot elevation or anything. We're just sitting in a duck blind and eat biscuits and gravy and chew Copenhagen and blow a duck call and the ducks come to us and we can get in a boat and we don't have to be in shape. And I'm like, that's so bad to think that way because I, my heart rate could be 190 when I run out to get some geese and run back with them for the next group to come in. And I hate the way that I would feel when I'd sit down, I'd be like huffing and puffing. And I put my call to my mouth and I didn't have enough air or oxygen to get another note out. And I'm like, this isn't me. So I wanted to be the guy that could set an example of, man, I want to be limber. I want to be quick. I want to be able to jump. I want to be able to be, you know, if something happens where I hit an uneven ground or balance is off or my equilibrium is off, I want to be able to catch myself and use my core to secure myself. Like you're always teaching in the gym. And I was like, that's how you feel better in a hunt. I'm not going to go out and feel winded. I'm not going to feel beat up. I'm not going to pull a hamstring by running after geese. I'm not going to twist an ankle by stepping on a cob of corn in the cornfield when I'm hunting mallards in North Dakota and not feel good the next day. And then sleep comes into that. Alcohol consumption comes into that. Nutrition comes into that. And I started telling this guy that. And then boom, he went to these guys at Muscle and Fitness and this author, this writer, Michael Berg, who's a badass. Um, it was going to be like a 10 minute interview. They're just going to do this little segment of, oh, you know, if you want to stay in shape in the outdoors, here's some bullet points. And I started talking. He's like, holy shit. He's like, you really think about this? I'm like, yeah, I think about this. I go, I'm always thinking about what can you do every day to make the experience the best that it can be and not take it for granted because I was transparent with them. Like I tend to take things for granted sometimes because so many unbelievable opportunities come my way and I have to check my attitude at the door a lot of the times because I'm like, man, I don't. I don't really need that anymore. I don't, I'm not having fun with it anymore, or I don't need any more hunting product anymore. And I'm like, man, stop that mentality. I want to be optimistic and I want to be, you know, very, very, uh, intriguing or very inspirational to say, I, I, I don't want to be known as the best duck hunter. I want to be known as somebody that's having a lot of fun and that's doing it for the right reason, getting the right people involved, paying homage to our military showing all these different walks of life that hunt. And that's where this writer was like, man, this is a lot more than just some hunter that is working out. This is more about passion and more about quality of life and more about being a provider to where if you have the provider mentality, you can't stop when you're 40. You can't stop when you're 50. You can't stop when you're six. A provider provides until he's in a casket or in an urn. We provide until we're dead. And if you don't have that mentality, then you're like, well, what are you talking about? What, what, why even in it in the first place? I'm not going to do this just to, I'm not going to call myself a provider and then go eat Wendy's. I'm going to, I'm cooking ducks every day or I'm cooking elk every day. And I'm coming up with really cool recipes that make people go, man, I want to try that. I want to learn how to do that. I want to learn. And so this writer just started writing. And then I got, well, this is the guy that, that trains me and gives me all this motivation in the gym. And, and I called it 
I called it tailgate working, you know, tailgate fitness and tailgate training of, of when I'm on the road, I'm always working out off the back of my tailgate. People look at me like, why are you doing air squats? Why are you jumping up onto your tailgate? And that's how this whole article came about. And it was supposed to be very short. And then all of a sudden it turned into what you see here, which is six pages, one, two, three, five pages. And it's strong. It's got a lot of story in it. And it's even got the workout in it that you gave the guy and you have awesome quotes in here. So I'll finish with this. Yes. I could have easily went, Oh yeah, I work out. And I, I just, I just don't want to, I, I just, I want to stay in shape and I have a lot and I am, I have a lot of vanity. I admit it. When you watch yourself on TV, you want to look good. You don't want to be the guy that you, that doesn't present yourself the right way. When I go to do a seminar or when I go into public or I'm on stage, uh, present, you know, announcing a singer, I want to look good. I don't necessarily want everybody to go, Oh my God, you're sexy. I want to feel good. I want to look good. The better I look, the better I feel, the better I feel, the better I perform, the better I perform, the more inspiration that I can give to people of, to, of being better. And, and getting behind our brands and elevating us. And it's all a give and take. And so that's where I was at with it is like, I want to show this guy that this is the, the, the real me. And I want to be able to have a vision in this of saying, here's, here's what I, how I live my life. You write it the way you see it. And then I was like, well, I got Matt involved because he's a big part of my training, but I, I very easily could have just been like, oh yeah, I do it because of this. But I wanted to give him the full array of what it means to be a hunter, a duck hunter. And then he took it to this level. I think that there's so much in there, of course, that you just talked about, but I've always taken quotes from my influencers, right? And these are, in my life, most of them are clients of mine that I've worked with for years and years. So luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. That came to mind as you were talking, right? I love that quote. You created an opportunity for yourself, but if you really pay attention, that opportunity you created for yourself by posting those videos, doing your training was to serve others. It was because you wanted to help your audience understand that they should be doing these things. And you're taking your responsibility as an influencer seriously, which I, I think we could do a whole podcast on that, by the way, because we are bombarded with influencers that should not be influencing the general population, especially they give a lot of bad information and then we have, we're set up for failure. Right. And so in fact, for myself, that's quite honestly where I saw a need. I saw a need in my industry to start putting good content out there because there's so much bad content out there. And I'm not trying to elevate myself. I'm not the only one with good content, but in particular, for me, I believe that endurance is an eight and I want to spread the message that everyone in, in this case, we're talking about the hunting community, which I'm excited about working more with you where we have some projects where we may talk about, I don't know, but influence is an important responsibility. And by putting this article out, I'm honored to be a part of it because I know that there's people that need to read this information about you and what you actually do to prepare yourself for a hunt and how that is something that's very possible for them to do too and work towards. Yeah. And I, and that, and I appreciate that because I think that you are onto something about taking influencing serious and 
you hate the word influence. You hate the word ambassador. You hear all pro staff. You hear all this stuff thrown around. And in, in today's world of social media content and, and, and that's available at our fingertips at any given time, I just want to be a little bit different of like, I don't have to be the guy that has a tank top on that's all sweaty and tanned up with veins sticking out everywhere, which is cool. Be a gym rat. That's awesome. Go put on your music and lift your ass off every day and, and bodybuild or, you know, go to the gym every night at five o'clock. I've been that. I was there at one time in my life where I didn't miss a day. I had training partners and you would lift. And now I have this total mindset of I'm doing it for when I'm in the pool in the summertime. Yes, I do have vanity. I don't need to be ripped up with an eight pack. I don't need that to feel good about myself. But what makes me feel good is when I can keep up with my 15 year old nephew or throw my daughter up in the air without, you know, herniating a disc or feeling bad for the rest of the night and needing to stuff, you know, ibuprofen down my throat because I'm in pain and I'm not strong enough to do it. I want to be able to keep up. I want to be able to hunt. I want to be able to go. I want people to look at it and go, man, the dude never stops. I want to be, I want to know when to pump the brakes, but I want to be in shape enough to go. And at 45, I can go, I can roll with anybody. And I can, I'm not saying that I'm a good fighter. I'm not meaning that kind of role. Like I'll go beat your ass in the octagon, even though I'd love to roll and do all of that stuff and train that way. I'm saying I want to be able to show people through my content or through our content, like, man, they're loving it. Look at the, look at the passion. They have respect for the animal. They have respect for themselves. They have respect for the military. They respect your stance on religion or politics or whatever you want to do. They're going, they're doing it. They're out there doing it. You can't hate on that. It's easy to get behind a keyboard muscle guy and go, oh, you're an idiot. And we get a lot of haters. You can't hate on that. If you're hating on that, that's on you. You can't hate on somebody that's trying to do something the right way and say, look, I'm not the best jump roper in the world, but I'm doing jump rope for 90 seconds with a lot of revolutions going around and around at 45 years old. No, I'm not trying to be Sugar Ray Leonard, but I can go 90 seconds without stopping. That should show you go out there and go for 20 seconds to start. And then your, your ankles are going to feel really bad and your calves are going to hurt and your quads are going to hurt and your hamstrings are going to be in pain. And then the next week, try to get 30 seconds. And if that motivates a few people to go do it, then you're doing your job. I'm not trying to become the next male model. You know, I'm not trying to do that. Yeah, and I want to say, too, you mentioned Michael Berg, the guy who wrote this article up. He talked with you, and he talked a lot more in depth with me about the training than I think he really needed to. He he over-delivered. We probably talked for over an hour when I talked to him, and I, I was planning on the same thing, probably 10, 15 minutes is what I thought we'd be talking for. So we were kind of lucky to have him, but I also think that he... It seems to me like he pushed for this article. In other words, the hunting community, that can be a little bit tricky, right? Getting getting that into... There's pictures of guns in here and dead animals. You see that picture of that dead duck? I couldn't right. believe it. Right. It's very tricky. And I and I I just really kudos to muscle and fitness and, and for doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that I think that in, in itself shows progress. And it was a team effort. Again, we're kind of going back to it takes a, a performance partners, it takes a team. And a lot of people came together for this to make it happen. But I was really happy to see the way he wrote this article. I think it really served you well and in turn your community. But I just want to mention something on the influence topic, that's something that I know that you are passionate about because you really want people to understand hunting and why it is a harvesting 
or what harvesting really means, right? And I was listening to your interview, I believe, with uh, Bader, where you guys were talking about that and some of the uh, the haters that you've dealt with. Um, I believe your nephew, you were talking about how he has uh, he went for his hurt first hunt, and then there were some hater comments about it, and. Instead of kind of falling into that negativity and that closed mindset, instead, you don't respond to that. But what you do do is you put out better information so people can, more people can understand. Because you're probably not going to, somebody's closed minded that wrote that behind that keyboard. They're not, you're probably not going to change their mind, although maybe you could, sometimes you can. But more importantly, I think you might get to another two or three or four or five people and help them to understand why hunting is not a negative sport. Yeah. And I think that it's, it's dead on to being able to speak passionately about it enough to get somebody like Michael Berg to take it to this extent. Cause here's the deal is just because you get the opportunity doesn't mean that it's going to come into fruition just because you get the opportunity to be, you get invited into a studio to record an album. Doesn't mean you're ever going to have a number one hit. Doesn't mean that you're ever going to sell out an arena like Garth Brooks. You were afforded the opportunity to go put out a record, but there's been a lot of one hit wonders for people that never got to take it to the next level. And they might be happy as hell that they got that record put out. I would have been happy that we got in muscle and fitness with a little column that said, here's some exercises that you can do. If you're a duck hunter, train your hand to, you know, do some grips to hold on to your duck call better. Like that'd be kind of cool. But this shows that we were able to show enough passion and talk, you know, intelligently enough to a guy that is not a hunter for him to take it to this step in, in beyond this of saying, we're, we want to talk about recipes, video recipes, video workouts, video, you know, exercises you're doing, maybe even come on a hunt and get behind the scenes and really get down in the weeds and the dirt on what you're doing. Just because we got a call to be a muscle and fitness, which is a big deal, to me, it's a big deal to you. Doesn't mean that when we opened the book or went online that it was going to be what we what we got. It could have been very tight knitted. Like there's not going to be any photos. You're going to have your name in there, you know. And that's what I was like, man. This is unbelievable. This shows that we're able to speak passionately, like you're saying. If you get a hater, and instead of writing back and going, "You're an idiot," I just go, "All right." All we have to do is keep doing what we're doing because that guy would not be writing in if he wasn't noticing us. He's watching us for a reason. So that motivates me to keep putting out good content with a lot of passion and a lot of care and a lot of homage, paid homage to the people before us and always, you know, thanking the people that got us to where we're at. And I think that it pays off. It shows people like, man, these guys are in it for the right reasons. I don't, I don't read this article and it doesn't say in here, it does call me a pro duck caller, which I don't like the word pro hunter. Jim Shockey was talking about this on this podcast about, I don't want to be a pro hunter. Michael Waddell talked about it. You know, I don't want to be known as the best hunter. I want to be known as the guy that has the most fun and we have a lot of fun. There are stresses in the hunting business, but the actual hunt is awesome. It's therapy. And I think that this shows of exactly what you're hitting on Pandola is like, we have the ability to educate and inspire and what you call, what was the word you used? Inspir- what influence. Influence, yeah. We have the ability to do that for the right reasons. And right. To the, and, and get people to react to it for the right reasons. I don't want to sell them on, oh man, I really just went and did this workout this one day. I consistently show people that, I'm, that you can improve daily and work with what you got and, and keep bettering yourself every day through 
preparation and uh, hard work and, and having a goal in mind and having a plan of attack and a strategy of like, man, I don't know if I'm ever going to have a six pack, but I promise you that what I told Aaron yesterday after the workout, I said, man, my recovery is getting way better. Yeah. So can I, I want to jump in there for a second. First of all, you do have a six pack. No, not really. So you're hard on yourself. And I think that that's okay. Listeners probably know this by now about you, but if they actually get into the gym with you and were to see you or even train with you, they'd have a lot of respect for what you're able to do. Now the word functional, I think you've even dropped that word a few times during this podcast. Oh yeah. And it's functional is not a bad word, but it's sort of a pet peeve of mine because people abuse it so much, right? So to me, functional is relative. So I've stopped calling it functional training or functional fitness, right? I just say relative because it's all relative to you, right? Compared to what, what is it that you want to achieve, Okay. And how is that relative to your lifestyle, your goals, long-term health? So in other words, when you first started training, the uh, original idea was to take some weight off, right? Yep. How much weight did you lose? Mm, Over 25 pounds. Okay. And you've kept it off. And that's what I want to talk about because the influence that you have on people it's not, now this is not a knock on you because I'm the same way. I'm not, I, I don't look like Sylvester Sloan. I mean, I, I wanted to for a long time, but I just don't, okay? But that's not the important part. And in fact, I'm so busy that I'm lucky to be able to find a little bit of time for myself to train, right? And I know that you are the same way. So that only put me a little bit closer to what my clients are going through. Like you said, when I was younger, I had a lot more time and it was even my job at times. Like when I was hot shotting, just whenever I had downtime, I would do push-ups and run and train. Right. And eventually you realize that you actually have to get up in the morning and go to work and you can't, you have to train other people. In my case, you can't just train yourself all the time. So I almost would say that when I was way, way back in my modeling days and I was beefier and lower in body fat and, and everything looked kind of perfect, right. Or at least as close as I could get it, um, without doing drugs or whatever. And it took me a long time to get to that point. It was several years of training, but also when I was modeling, I was going through, shoot, I mean, two hours of training would probably be an average morning for me. And then in the afternoon I would rest and then I would train again. Right. That was my job for a while. Well, you know, what I've come to learn with my clients, especially uh, executives or people who have a very busy lifestyle, which is most of us, if not all of us listening, that it's not about the really 40 minutes that you may strength train, okay, or do cardio or something like that, or, or, or maybe an hour on certain days. It's not about that as much to me as what you're doing the other 23 hours and learning how important that really is, as well as learning about what works for you. So what is your set point, okay, or what's optimal for you? and what's working for you, that becomes relative. That's your relative training. That's going to serve you. And that's where I believe I take more pride, I think, in my coaching you 
because I think that you have learned over time. You're a client of the month this month. And, and, and honestly, I made you client a month before I even knew the article was coming out. We had it <laughs> planned for you to do that. And so we just, I, I kept it client of the month, Chad Belding. I'm very proud of you. But the main reason why I picked you in my mind was because you've kept the weight off the, all these years and you've made it very relative to your needs. But I think that you're, you're an example, and I'd like to think I'm an example in the sense that people can relate. They can look at us and say, you know what? That's achievable for me. That's not an extreme, right? Like, yeah, I have six-pack abs or whatever, but I don't look like Stallone, right, right. in his heyday. Um, but that's okay, especially because I think I'm more relatable to people that want to get healthier they don't need to take any supplements to do it. They just need to make better choices throughout those 23 hours a day when it become to recovery, rest, and nutrition, and all those things that are so important because there's no such thing really as overtraining, just under-recovering. And people can look at somebody like you and say, man, this guy has several different businesses. I love the name Provider, by the way. That's the best business name I've ever heard in my life. And you don't have a lot of time in the day, but that only proves the point that the decisions you make during your time when you're not sleeping and you're not training, those all count. And you've learned to make the right decisions for you and for your relative goals. Yeah. And I think that it's a great way of, of showing that to be relevant to somebody, you can't, you can't be, you know, non-transparent you have to show them like yes i do consume alcohol once in a while i'm not going to go to tell people no i never drink a beer i never have a, a shot of whiskey or i never have a glass of wine with a good italian meal. i'd be i'd be an idiot to tell them that or to say hey i'd never drink and then say well i'm always in the gym working out and by the way i never eat biscuits and gravy during duck season and i never i never splurge on a pasta meal with a really homemade gravy of an italian gravy i show all of that i show that when i'm with mr billy billy we're eating fried bologna and we're eating biscuits and gravy now I will say that that even if you have that mentality or that lifestyle or the opportunity to enjoy a Southern breakfast or a hearty Italian meal or a bottle of nice Merlot or Chianti or whatever it is, or a good bourbon or a good whiskey, whatever it is, moderation and you know, controlling your and, and being able to take a portion and say, that's all I need. That's I'm good. I'm good. And just that mentality right there, just that without even getting on a treadmill or a, or a woodway or a Versa climber, even before any of that, if you can just tell your mind, I don't need seconds on every part of this, I might have another pork chop or a half of one, but I don't need another biscuit and gravy. I don't need another three fried eggs, even though I could smoke that. No problem. I'm good. And it's that ability to get up and walk away from the second portion or overindulgence that will show results in a heartbeat. And just that discipline, just that mentality will, will let you inspire yourself to go to the next length. Now, if I'm at a campfire and I know what's getting ready to happen that night, I've gotten to the point now to where I'll go open the back of my truck, let down the tailgate, open up my drawer and my deck and grab a jump rope and people will look over down by the dog kennels. I'm just using Arkansas for an example, down the run, down the, the driveway from Prairie wings lodge is the dog kennels. And they'll look down there and all either I carry 
dumbbells in my trailer and I carry a jump rope and I carry bands. I carry roll, you know, foam rolls and all of that stuff. People look down there. I'll be doing lunge walks. Like you show me like suitcase carry or briefcase, you know, or suitcase carry lunges. And I'll be jump roping because I know that that night I might have a couple beers or a couple whiskeys or a, a hearty dinner, but I'm going to go make sure that my mentality is there of, look, I earned it now. I did not make an excuse not to go do this many reps on a, or this many minutes on a jump rope or this many lunges or this many box squats or whatever it is. I, you can, you can discipline yourself to go onto that level. And then the next level is now, what can I do now? I can take it to the, you know, another climb another rung of that ladder and I can start achieving more goals in the gym by becoming more limber more, you know, I get more vertical jump on my box jumps. I might be able to set more linear feet on a Versa climber. All of those goals come with just by doing something simple. Like I'm not going to, I'm going to watch my portions. I'm not going to drink soda. I'm not going to consume a ton of sugar. All of that stuff goes into the mentality. It's not just about the aesthetics. It's about the mentality and the approach. Now you start thinking more clear. Well, if I can do that, that easy, I can do this. And now in business, I can do this. I can come up with a name called the provider or this life ain't for everybody and drive the brand. And I'm just going to set little tiny goals and then, but have this big picture in mind. And I think that people get scared of going into business for themselves or going out on their own or losing weight or sticking to a, a training regimen because they're intimidated by it because they think that they have to get to that ultimate goal in a heartbeat. And I'm just like, man, that can't be any further from the truth. I literally come back in the gym three weeks ago from a really, really stressful duck season, in my opinion, about because there was a lot of business mixed in with it. There was a lot of responsibility mixed in with it. We had a lot of rider hunts and media hunts and a bunch of guests in camp. And it's it, stressful might not be the right word, but it was busy. And there wasn't a lot of time for making sure that you got a 90 minute workout in a day or a 60 minute workout. So what was my first goal? My first goal was recovery. All my systematic breathing, making sure that I am, that I'm watching how I can recover each workout. And I know that I'm improving by being able to do that by being able to get my heart rate down and interval training and before I get it back up and, and, and how long is it taking me to get it back down after I do an exercise or a set or whatever it is. That was my first goal was just get my recovery going better to where I can be better off in the workout and start getting now heavier weight, higher jumps, more reps, whatever it was. And that's where like my, I, I look at little things like how are my, my quick pit, what, quick fitch, what are they called? Fast twitch, fast twitch yeah. muscles, quick. But I look at that, like, how are they reacting for me? Am yeah. I, am I quick on my feet? Is my reaction time really good? Can I really like, can I juke? Can I hit a speed bag? Good. What are my, what are those twitch, those fast twitch muscles doing? And if they're not working right, I can tell that right at the beginning of a workout when I come back from a long season. And I look at little tiny, little tiny goals of like, okay, I want to see better improvement on that. It's not about me being able to be like, well, I know that I've jumped 45 inches before and landed it. I want to be able to go 39 and know that I can do it 10 times and then I'll move on to 44 and then hopefully keep climbing from there. But I've gotten real good in all my aspects of life of like, man, I don't, I can't get there right now. Be realistic. I'm not going to do it, but I promise you that. I know for a freaking fact how I'm going to feel if I eat another plate of this biscuits and gravy. And I'm going to say two things to myself. Why? And what the hell were you thinking? Yeah. 
Because it's all it does is make you feel like shit. Every bite tastes unbelievable. People can say, oh, that food doesn't taste good. Bullshit. I know you are very disciplined in your diet, but I also know that you can't, you're, you love the taste of an In-N-Out burger. You'd be an asshole not to say that you did. There's no way you can't, that you don't, you can't, you can't say, I don't like the taste of McDonald's French fries. Now, you can say, that's a treat, and I'm not going to overindulge in those every day of the week. That's the difference. Of course they taste good. I'm not going to lie to myself. I'm not going to be that guy. And that was my whole point in starting this. I'm not going to be in content and be like, man, this is all me. This is all I do is work out. I don't drink. I don't eat sugar. I'm on the keto diet. I do jump rope before I go to bed. I wake up and do sit-ups like Herschel Walker every day. No, that's not real to me. I'm a real dude that has a lot of different responsibilities, but I can set little goals by one less egg, a lot less biscuits and gravy. I used to go to a sushi bar in Reno and think, man, this is all you can eat. I'm going to get my money's worth. And now I go in there and went, I'm good. I'm good. A lot of sugar in that rice. I'm good. I don't need it. I'm going to eat more sashimi. I'm going to eat more raw fish. But even then, portion control. Walk out of there and be good. Well, I paid 20 bucks. So what? You're going to pay for it in the end on a casket a lot sooner. Those are like 10 grand. So I'm just saying like little tiny goals like that are what has gotten me to the point of being like, Man, I feel good wearing a bathing suit now. I feel good being on a boat and having some music going. I feel good being around people, you know, and, and feeling good about myself. But it wasn't done overnight. It's been freaking, a, a, you're, all of us are a work in progress. Yeah, so that's, I love what you brought up there because I feel that most people I talk to that are struggling with goals is because they have such an immediate mindset towards what they want to achieve. You know, I want to lose 20 pounds now, right? Or I want this, I want this career now, but you've got to be willing to put the time in. And I really believe in that incremental success that creates the long-term goals, but you've got to look at, you have to have vision for these things. And I don't trust it when somebody says to me, oh, I lost 20 pounds this month. I don't trust that. I don't trust it when somebody says, I gained 20 pounds of muscle this year. I mean, what does that tell me? That tells me they went into an extreme, right? And so first of all, if you're a newbie and you haven't done any training, you, you're going to get more results initially. But let's just assume that you've done the newbie training or you've gotten a little bit closer to, let's say, what's optimal for you. It's very tough at this point in my life to get a pound of muscle might take me three, four months with intentional training to get that on me. And, and it's the same thing really with weight loss. When people are trying to lose weight, I want them to lose weight slowly. And that's not what they want to hear, but that's what they need to hear. And I love that in the article, by the way, you were talking about how important it was that you could control your breathing. So cardiovascular health, extremely important. And in fact, when we are picking a sport like duck hunting, Okay. Is it okay to call it a sport? What do I call that? Yeah. Lifestyle, culture, sport. I mean, I okay. just, it's, there's just no championship in it. There's no, sure. you know, there's no trophy. Yeah. Let's say lifestyle I like that better, I think, or, or your culture. And so 
that's important to understand because I think that a lot of people reading this article, especially those that are duck hunting and maybe using that as an excuse, so I don't need to be fit. Well, now they're getting some relative reasoning as to why that's not true, why they do actually need to be fit. And they have to have the control of their breathing so that they can make that next shot, for example. And I think that that is really helpful. And that's where you can influence properly, right? But then I'm just always constantly listening to people and their concepts about, especially with health and fitness for me, when I talk about the influencers out there, we mentioned something as simple as high intensity interval training. And I think we've talked about this a little bit in the past, right? But excessive uh, post oxygen consumption, right? Or in other words, how many calories are you burning after a, a hit workout? Yeah, and not, not that many, right? People have really misconceptions about things like this, mainly because they listen to somebody tell them that didn't really do the research and doesn't understand the science behind it. But I won't delve into that too far, but it's, it's important to understand that when you were talking about doing lunges before suitcase lunges, I think you brought up, and then, you know, you're going to uh, have maybe a, uh, we'll call it a cheat meal later on. The, the way I think of that is doing those lunges is you're not going to burn enough calories uh, to, to create enough deficit so that you can have whatever you want, right? That's, that's not how it works, but what it does work with is the long-term approach and saying that it's okay that you are okay with having that off meal and you don't put yourself in a position, especially mentally to feel defeated because you're eating that. And I'm not going to argue that doing some lunges beforehand, if that makes you feel better, then absolutely you should do some lunges, right? It's increasing your circulation. There's some obvious benefits neuromuscularly, et cetera, et cetera. So that's all things I can definitely agree with. It's not going to burn the calories that a lot of people think it does, but it keeps you in the pattern and it keeps you in the helpful habits that you want. And I do believe that when I know when I put in good training, the last thing I want to do is eat too much of, let's say, an off food or an off meal. I don't want to completely sabotage myself. But if I'm not training, if I'm not doing anything, and th there are times, and I'll, I'll, I'll bring this up as an example, I did um, the North Face uh, Championships this past year trail championships. And I was, you know, I was proud of my performance there anyways, but I had, um, promised myself after that, I was going to take time to just recover, you know, and, and really recover because the training was pretty hard. And this year uh, I had a bigger goal, which is to go to the world championships, trail championships, which I am in August. And then the world Spartan championships again, which I've done in the past. And I want to get back to that. Now that's on top of all the other projects I have going on. So I knew I needed a little bit of a reboot. I was okay in my mind with going up from the body fat I was at, which was fairly lean for even myself for that race, and then going up to a range that is still lean, but definitely gave me a little bit more um, let's say I had some space in my decisions. I didn't have to be so strict, right? So 
I think that mental flexibility is so important not to think that you always have to be at like 95, 100% of optimal. And I, at times, that is maybe what I'm going to strive to be for like six weeks because I want to peak for something. But really, if I'm at 80 to 90%, I can hold that all the time. And I think that that's really important for people to keep in mind that they have that long-term goal in their mind. This is my legacy. This is my lifelong goal. Can I do this not only today, but next month, next year, in 10 years? If the answer is yes, then it's a good decision in my mind. So in other words, dieting if you can't diet your entire life, which I don't like the word diet because it's a restriction, then why are you doing it now? What benefit is it going to give you in 10 years? In fact, it's probably going to be more hurtful than helpful. So instead of trying to do that, give yourself some incremental improvements and give yourself maybe a smaller deficit in calorie reduction, maybe add some fiber and fill yourself up with fiber a little bit more, replace some of the off meals that you have in your nutrition plan, but not all of them, and make it work for you so that you are satisfied, you don't feel like you're starving yourself. And again, if you like, or you, let's say with the environment that you're in with your buddies, when you guys go out and you do, um, let's say you go off for a hunt together and that night you're going to have that biscuits and gravy. Don't take that culture away from yourself. Don't, don't take that experience away from yourself. I really believe that this, that's depriving yourself and that's a deficit that you don't want. But the question is, are you having those biscuits and gravy several times a week? Yeah. And that's what the mindset of going to do the jump rope and the soup and the suitcase lunges do for me. And that I'm trying to tell people what it will do for your psyche and your mental stamina is this is that one losing a routine is the hardest thing on a person i think the mental anguish that a person goes through when he or she gets out of their routine can literally destroy you like it will make you exhausted it'll stress you out it'll make you worry and if you i mean i don't know if you agree with me on that but if i know that i'm out of my routine i get so uncomfortable so when i know that i'm at duck camp and i know that i don't have to go to my tailgate or in my trailer and open it up and get that jump rope out and those those dumbbells and do all that stuff i i'm if if you're fine not being in your routine and you don't worry like i do and you don't feel uncomfortable like i do then don't go do it me it helps me know that hey two more weeks on the road i'm i'm staying in my routine when i get back i'll take my routine to the next step in the gym and i'll be able to train for longer but i'm not going to be starting over and that's what you always accredit me with is that when i come back now i'm never starting over i'm always in somewhat good enough health and in, in good enough shape to get into it a lot quicker and stay healthy and, and not, and, and be able to most importantly avoid injury, right? That's because my mindset of that suitcase lunge and that jump rope was, Hey, I know that I'm going to enjoy this culture tonight of a dinner and a beer around a campfire. Listen to this guy, pick a guitar and sing, pick a guitar and sing a song. I'm going to make sure that my routine is there to where I don't worry about because I know if I'm sitting around there with an ice cold bush light beer and I'm going, man, I should have freaking did something physical today. I just don't feel like myself. I don't feel right. Then I'm not enjoying that moment. But I know that if I put 30 minutes into that jump rope and that suitcase lunge, I'm going to enjoy the night more and not feel guilty and not worry, allowing me 
to be more present have be more clear minded, be healthier, be a better communicator and enjoy the moment more. Because if I don't, and I'm closed off and I'm not a good communicator and I'm sad, or I'm worried that I got out of my routine and I don't feel good, then I'm going to do what I'm going to miss opportunity. Doors are not going to open. And I think that all my mentality or all this stuff that comes like this article in muscle and fitness is because you never know when that opportunity, like you talk about, you know, hard work and preparation and luck and success and all that comes from doors opening. And understanding that, hey, that door wouldn't be open if I didn't stay in my routine. That's how I mentally approach it. I don't go, oh, well, if I burn 1,800 calories on my fit, well, I don't wear jewelry. I don't wear a watch. I don't wear a pedometer. Sometimes I wear a heart rate monitor in the gym just to see where my, my levels are as far as recovery goes. But I don't base my day on how many calories that I burn. I know for a fact that my discipline, today I went to pho. Pho, some people call it. I think the correct pronunciation is pho, Vietnamese soup. Vietnamese soup is unbelievably good. Now, the sodium content might be a little high, don't know. But if you find the right recipe, which I know that this guy that makes it where we go, it's unbelievable and it's healthy. So what do I do now? I say all vegetables. I eat, the, I eat rare steak for protein in it and I eat vegetables and I say no rice noodles. Because they put a big glob of rice noodles in the middle of it and you see people eating with chopsticks and slurping them up. And I'm like, if I can just cut out that part of this soup, but still enjoy it, look at what you're cutting out. Look at all those carbohydrates and all the sugar and those rice noodles that you're cutting out. And now I'm enjoying the soup. And then what do I do? The next step I go, wait a minute, I don't need to eat the whole bowl right now. So I get a to-go container and I make it into two meals, sometimes two and a half. So now my mentality is thinking like I can do that with my approach in life is like I cut out a little tiny bit and the results can be just awesome for you if you just learn how to do that once in a while. So I think that it's just all about that mindset of if I can control some of the things that I can or, you know, I'm disciplined enough to, you know, take in mind that I can control that, then do it. Some things are out of your control. But if you can go into that night knowing that you're going to, you know, you might indulge a little bit. I'm all about my mindset. My mindset is that of I am going to be a better version of me if I go do this 30 minutes of, of just jump rope and lunges. I didn't even, I might not even get my heart rate to 170, whatever it is. But if I do that, I know that I'm going to be a better person that night. And that's my approach. Yeah, no, the, I agree. When you have a culture that, really revolves more around your discipline. And when I say discipline, I mean something, a routine, I think is a good way that you put it. Yep. I believe that discipline equals freedom, right? And that's something that we've talked about, but I want to reiterate that fact because I let, let's talk, for example, about one of my athletes coming up to me before a race and they'll say, uh, coach, my, I hear this all the time, you know, my calf, I don't know, it's kind of cramping up and they're nervous, right? They're, they're anxious, right? And I tell them, you're not anxious, you're excited. Go do your protocol. Okay, and they have a personal protocol they've been doing. And we repeat that protocol for months or even years where they're doing the routines, maybe some variations, but they have this routine down by heart. They do it constantly, daily even. By the time they get done with that routine, they feel good. They're ready to race. Because going through that routine brought calmness and readiness for their goal. And it's no different then when I get up, let's say 4.30 in the morning and I get these few things done that helps me to feel ready for my day, 
man, it sounds so silly, but just picking up the dog poop before I go to the gym, that actually excites me. I know people are probably, okay, right. But it excites me because if I don't do it, then my wife Erin will do it. And I don't want her to have to do it. I want to do it, especially because Lily was a gift to me, my my dog. And I want to take care of that. So it makes me feel good that I got that done. That sounds like such a simple task, but it's important. And I think that as you go through your day and you plan things out, that mental flexibility can take over more and more because you actually do have a plan. What I say is plan and pencil. So have something planned out for yourself, whether it comes to your nutrition or your daily protocol, whatever it's going to be for movement or if it's going to be for your work schedule. But have that plan, but have some flexibility to know that, okay, I can change this up a little bit. As long as I do have some discipline behind it, then I can make an educated decision about what I want to do from here. And I'm not going to be too far off. And in some cases, I could be even better off. And oftentimes, what I kind of run across, Chad, is that people are telling me, I'm I'm kind of using my mental flexibility or intuitive eating, let's say. And sorry, but you didn't do the work to earn that yet. You don't even know how many calories you take in a day, but you're just doing intuitive eating now. No, I mean, I do intuitive eating. I don't count my calories. I don't need to, but I did for a while just so I could understand where I was at and I understood my set point. Now I know if I'm going to take in a few hundred calories extra or less, and if I need it or not. And that's very intuitive at this point, but you have to have some structure. You have to have some discipline initially, and then you can start making those better decisions. So getting on a good routine, I think you nailed that. That's so important. And I would just finish with this, but when I was doing more of my, let's, uh, I was kind of my recovery month in December. And when I was doing more of my work there, my desk work, I started to really understand what a lot of people are going through. I wasn't running. I had intentionally taken that time off. I was getting in some, just some good movement protocol, just literally stand, stand up after uh, being at my desk for maybe an hour or so. Then I would do some movement protocol and I would just kind of micro set movements like froggers and, you know, face pull aparts or angel of uh, death and things like this, uh, these creative names that we come up with for our movements. But I would just get my body moving a little bit, in other words. But really, my nutrition started taking a turn for the worse. I'll be honest about that because, you know, in part, I was bored. When you're bored, you pay attention to uh, or you think at least that you're hungry, maybe when you're not. And I started noticing because I wasn't exercising, I was actually craving off foods even more. Right. Right. And so getting back into my routine, once I took that time off and, you know, again, taking a few weeks to kind of reboot, I don't, that's that in the entire scope of things, that's a small area of my life where I wasn't on my routine. So I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing as long as you get back to it. And once I did, I felt so good again, probably a little refreshed too, and good that I did that. But also, man, I'm going back into my normal routines. I'm getting my training in regularly again. I'm starting to run again. And now you just want to eat better. You want to feel 
that way all the time and you get addicted to that process, which is, you know, all to me, all of this boils down to making the right helpful habits to serve your relative goals. Yeah. And I think that goals are, you know, they are so important to the big picture as far as you can set a long-term goal and you can be like, my goal for this year is I'm going to lose 30 pounds and I am going to be able to run a 5k. All right. And then you got to say, well, how am I going to get there? Well, when you said, you know, you're picking up dog shit. Well, if you write things like that down, that is how you get to that 30 pound and that 5k. And that's what I do. I, I, when I gave a speech to some of your athletes, one, one time, your high school guys and girls, I said, I write down, take a shower, put fuel in my truck, even though that I know my truck's going to warn me, which I've ran out of fuel one time in a diesel and it's the biggest screw up ever. But uh, if you cross that off your list that day, what is that called? That's achieving something. Now it might not be winning the, you know, becoming a CEO of a company or winning the championship game, but it's a goal. And if people can understand that, going and doing that jump rope or those box squats or, you know, getting you back in your routine after you did that, you, you were a desk, you at your desk a bunch, just setting little goals like that is what's going to put your mind into that next state of getting to that next point. Now I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to cut out rice noodles. Well, the next step is maybe I don't eat them for the next six months until I start seeing goals. And then if I get six months, maybe I'll never eat rice noodles again. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to eat lasagna again. I'm not going to, I'm not telling myself I'm never going to have a starchy carb again. I'm never going to enjoy something that, you know, makes me happy. I'm just saying that if I can cut out rice noodles when I eat food, I'm, I'm winning. I'm doing something that's going to better me in the long run, in my opinion. And if that is making my psyche better or my, my mental approach to something, then that's what a short-term goal does. If you just start small and build on that, the next thing you know, you're like, man, the sky, literally the sky can be the limit. You people are like, well, how do you get to go on all of these hunts? And I'm like, I don't know, but I can tell you this. I'm not the best duck hunter in the world. I'm nowhere near it. I'm not the best duck caller in the world. I just have the ability to develop this platform to have a voice in it and hopefully a good enough voice to influence or inspire or be intriguing enough to where people are like, we want him around. We want that crew around. We want that. We want to work with those guys. That's what it takes. Small time, small goals of me going, I'm going to start this TV show. I'm going to pay homage to the people that, you know, gave me the opportunity. I'm not going to forget where we came from, but I'm going to start small. I want to, you know, have a couple sponsors. I want to be on this network. And then once you get going, you could set another goal. And then you just work hard on the little details and the intricacies until you reach that goal. It's the same thing. Put fuel in your truck, take a shower. The next thing you know, you're like run a mile and you don't, you, if you, if you procrastinate and you cross it off Monday and it goes on to Tuesday, you're still got that goal oriented. You still are going to get it done. You might not get it all done on Monday, but that's why a spiral notebook, a pencil, having an eraser and being able to change things is imperative. And it's very, it's, it, it'll create structure in your life, organization, accountability. And when you start to develop all of those short-term goals, they're going to turn into long-term goals. And when you're holding yourself accountable, then you're going to be like, man, I might be able to move on to the next step of maybe I can start my own business. Maybe I can go out on my own. Maybe I can start a brand. Maybe I can get all these people to believe in it and develop momentum and take it to the next level. All of it starts with picking up that dog shit or taking a shower or putting fuel in your truck. The things that seem so easy are what can be the building blocks of stuff that seems so out of reach. You know, there's, there's no absolutes in, in life. 
a lot of times I get questions from people. They want an absolute. They want an answer. They ask me questions about calories, for example. But a lot of times I, I can see that disappointment when I won't give them a set amount of calories they should be taking in. Or they want to know, what is it that you do in your training? And they want to know that. And that's something that works for me. So it's not necessarily going to work for you to adapt what I've done. What you need to do is there's no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts. And this is obviously anything in life. But when it comes to fitness, I'll stick with what I know. I know that you have to find your set point first. So in other words, when somebody says, how many calories should I be taking? I said, well, how many calories are you taking in now? I don't know. Well, okay, let's start with that, right? Give me a few days and write it all down. And then let's see where you're at. And we know what right now, we know where you're at in your calorie intake. And we know whether or not we need to create a deficit, right? Or a surplus, depending on your goals. And nine times out of 10, probably more than that, I never see those days. And I just, I, I question why that is, but I think that a lot of times uh, people are uncomfortable with the truth. They don't want to necessarily see it or they want to just have that answer. Well, this is what so-and-so is doing. I'm going to do that too. And the uncomfortable truth is that we are hitting false summits. That's that's kind of what I think of it as. You think that you're heading towards the this summit you see in front of yourself. You're working towards that goal. You're working towards that summit, but you're you're not doing what's necessarily right for you, right? You're doing what has worked for maybe for some others, but that's not you, and that's not your why. That's not your drive to strive for more. And if you even do get to that particular summit, you realize that your summit is somewhere else, right? And so that's where I think a lot of times we hit those false summits. It's, it's the same I could say for, for running, right? A lot of people see me as the running guy and they want to know, okay, so what, what should I do to train for this marathon? I get that all the time. And I'm like, well, why do you want to do a marathon? Well, because it's like hard to do and I'd be really proud of myself for doing it. Well, okay, but do you really love running that much that you want to put in that much time? You would maybe have a lot better time going after something completely different. So we've talked about this with you, for example, you're a very explosive guy. So that's, you were saying before, what kind of muscle fiber you have, you know, there's type two X, which is really explosive. And that's the kind of guy you are. That's why you can kind of hit the box jumps you can hit and you can, you, you have that one rep max sort of power. If I was going to train you for something, it would be for like strongman kind of stuff. Right. So I want to make sure in your training, for example, that we put enough of that in, we dose that in enough that it's, it's kind of gives you that confidence up feeling. But then, of course, we need to hit the other things that you need to do, too. So you're well-rounded in your approach to health and fitness. So what I'm really saying here, though, is that I believe that your programming should be different than mine. And I don't think that that oftentimes when people go into these classes, like I get all the time, questions about, well, is Orange Theory good or is CrossFit good? And 
Listen, most of the time, the issue is that if energy system development is, to me, the key. Energy system development means, again, that you could do this in a year, in, a, in 10 years, right, for a lifetime. And you're not, say, grinding your joints out and you're not in extreme deficits and you're not in any extremes. That, to me, is a good energy system plan. And when you go into this group class and you're just maxing out, right, you're just going for it. And then even sometimes with good trainers, they'll say, hey, uh, you shouldn't be pushing it that hard every day or lighten the bar up. You don't your technique needs some work, right? You're in a culture, in a class where everybody's trying to push themselves a lot of times what ends happening is that that person that was using a lighter bar, they just end up grabbing that heavier bar again because they want to keep up. They want to compete. They want to do what the other people are doing. So I think that energy system development is very unique. And that's essentially the problem I have with a lot of uh, sort of blanket um, focuses, right? Or those kind of summits that we hit that we think are ours, but they're really somebody else's, you know, there's no black and white. There's always a lot of good information out there, but you have to sift through all the BS to get there. And really when it comes down to is you are your best expert. You are, if you, if you really pay attention and you do the planning and you put down the numbers and you figure out what the best process to success is for you, then you're going to be successful with that. Not right away. It takes time and it's incremental, but fail forward. That's the main thing that I see. If you're going to make yourself, if you're going to get a level of success from yourself, failing forward is part of that opportunity. You get to do this. You get to learn more about yourself. You get to strive for more because you're following your own path. You're not trying to follow somebody else's. And I think that that's key. Yeah. And I do too. And I think that when you, you figure out who you're trying to get that message across to, you know, you do this for a living and you have clientele that pay you to give them strategies or, you know, an oversight or an overview of, or a plan of attack or whatever it is. I look at it like, Hey, I'm the guy that's getting that information. And now I have a platform and I'm going back to where this started. And we're going to, we're going to have to do part two of this, obviously, because we've already been almost going two hours, which I don't know how that happened, but think about, I probably am not going to be able to go out and tell a bunch of duck hunters that are 25 to 40 years old to journal. I want you guys to go write down everything you eat today and I want you to count your calories and I want you to report back every night to yourself and I want you to get on this computer and put it in this program and then I want you to show what you're going to need to burn tomorrow. How many hours sleep? You might not be able to get that, but if you can go to them and say, hey, cut out rice noodles out of your pho. Maybe don't go back for seconds and watch your portions once in a while. Go do some jump rope before you sit around the fire now that mentality starts to go, wow, I feel better. I'm going to go to the next step. Now that might be joining a gym. That might be hiring a trainer like yourself. That might be doing more than jump rope before the fire. They might add in a couple more exercises, but as long as you're giving them a little bit to get some results or achievement, like those short-term goals in that spiral notebook of getting fuel or taking a shower. Now the next thing is like, man, I can do this. I'm ready to move on to the next level. Now that third level might be journaling. I'm going to write down a few more things because I'm seeing results. And what happens when you start seeing results? You, you get addicted. 
you're like, oh man. And I, and I just did a pod. I can't even remember who said that to me in, in, in the pod. It might've been Michael Waddell, but somebody was saying you get addicted. You, you see results, you want more. So what do you do? You look in the mirror again that night. No, I know who it was. It was, uh, it was telling the God dang it. I don't even want to lie to you. I was just talking to somebody about how they might, when you're looking in the mirror at night and you see, oh, it was, it was Fred Zink. Now I know who it was. I'm going back, but my buddy from Ohio, Fred Zink was telling me, Hey, it's just like when you're, when you're duck calling and you're winning and you're, and you and you're hearing these sounds, you get addicted to being able to do more or enter another contest. When you start to see he's been working out and he's been doing a diet, you know, a nutrition program to where he's getting results. So what does he do? He goes, you get addicted to it. You want more. You want to see more veins in your bicep. You want to see better definition, in your abs or the V in the bottom of your stomach and above your pubic area and all that you start to get addicted so if you can start with that spiral notebook and short-term goals and cutting out rice noodles and 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 maybe watching portion control and maybe adding in a few more suitcase lunges then your mentality my mentality is like man i want more and that is why i'm reverting back to what you said about keeping the weight off i get addicted to it i don't want to look bad I don't want to feel bad. I have the ability to go out and leave this podcast right now. I just got messages today about a dinner tonight that's going to be very starchy and a lot of alcohol involved. I could go do that, but I already told myself I'm not doing it on a Wednesday night. I'm going to the gym tomorrow with you and your wife, and I'm going to work hard and I might, I might have a, a, a whiskey on Saturday night, but in duck season, you have the, that you have, you have that accountability too. In everyday life, you have that accountability. You can, I, I can have four or five glasses of wine tonight that I've, I've earned it. Right. Well, if you could just cut out three of those a, a week and only do it three nights a week or four nights a week, you're winning. Then you might even see results and you might go, man, I can, I'm only going to do it two nights a week because everybody thinks I'm not going to cut out all of the joyous parts of life. You don't have to. But if you start to see results, you might tell yourself, I don't need to drink four glasses of wine every night of the week to be happy. I can go to bed without a buzz and I can wake up without a headache and I can go to the gym in the morning now and I get addicted because I started writing down my short-term goals and I saw achievement. And that's where I'm at with that campfire mentality and that tailgate training that we talked about in muscle and fitness is that every move I make is with that end goal of like, hey, I want to be doing this when I'm 75 years old, because I look at less and I'm like, look at that son of a gun, man. He's going hard at 75. My dad died when he was 54. His dad died when he was 49. I'll be damned if I'm going to that suitcase lunge, that jump rope, that campfire mentality, that tailgate training mentality, the, the Pandola project, all of that can start with just taking a spiral notebook, writing down some goals, seeing achievement, seeing results, getting a little bit more addicted to those results and cutting out a little bit more and working a little bit harder. Yeah. And, I, and then you can, and I'm sorry, but then you can apply that to business, everyday life, parenthood, fatherhood, whatever it is, your mate, your marriage, your relationships, your communication, everything that you do, you're going to get better results because you're seeing little bit and little bit and little bit of improvement and achievement every day. Yeah, no. And you mentioned not everybody's going to journal every day. I completely get that. In fact, just having a few things that you may start with and stick with and write about, that may be two minutes that you give yourself a day. And you can even, I've actually done that or said that with some of my clients before. I want, I want you to give me two minutes. So just what you can write in two minutes. And then after that, you don't have to write anything else. And you know what happens in a short amount of time, they start writing more. Because like you said, they're getting addicted to it. But then also something interesting happens over time. There's not as much you need to write. 
Yeah, that's be, a, yeah, because that's you figured it out, right? Yeah. And and so I do think like there's a lot of times just bite the bullet. You need to work on you for a little bit of time. It's going to take some work, but then eventually you do have that mental flexibility because you've figured yourself out, and then it's easy. It's really hard to lose the weight. It's so much easier once you get there to maintain it. But if you've gone to an extreme and you've if you've dieted, for example, it can't be unrealistic. Exactly. Or if you know, you're doing all this deficit work, all this cardio and there's an end point to it. You're not going to be able to continue to, if you compl- I don't believe in, I don't believe in, uh, counting or paying attention to macros so much. For example, I, I believe calories in versus calories out. I don't believe that the laws of thermodynamics have changed at all. And so what I focus on a lot more with people I talk to is some basics that I know help for for example, I mentioned before fiber, if you're eating a big ass salad and that's something that you are doing throughout the day, or let's say at night when you tend to say binge eat more, right? If you're having a big ass salad at night, which doesn't have a ton of calories to it, unless you put things on there on top of that, but let's, let's uh, stick with good, just healthy greens, colors of the rainbow. You could put in, you know, a red bell pepper, or you could put in whatever you'd like there, as long as it's within your green options, we'll say, right? That fiber that's in that salad, especially once you drink enough water, which also is going to help to fill your stomach, will ensure that you don't go hungry. There's no reason to be hungry, but that's the only time I agree really that timing matters and people want to know whether or not timing matters. Well, to me, it can matter because if you don't have that big ass salad and you don't have enough water, then you're probably going to eat way more of your starches than you really need, right? Or if you have something in the refrigerator later on at night that you're going to raid that because you didn't get in enough of your greens. So people think a lot of times of the greens as just being micronutrients. Well, I'm good there. I took my multivitamin. I'm good. I don't need the micronutrients. I don't like salad, right? Maybe educating yourself a little bit more on what fiber does for your gut and your overall health, which there's a lot of benefits besides just increasing your satiety. Okay. But that's just one aspect. I think a lot of people, like, for example, I try to get in at least 35 grams of fiber a day. That's just, you know, minimum. Okay. I usually get in more and I suggest to people, I don't think there's really a ceiling to how much fiber you can get in as long as I don't think you should do it too rapidly because then that could create its own problems. But if it, you know, you slowly increase it, if you don't take in much fiber now and you start to really pay attention, by the way, how much fiber is in the foods that you're currently eating, especially if you have a label to it, a lot of people are just looking at the sugar content or something. Right. And it just, uh, it just shows me how much, again, good influence versus bad influence. But if you're looking at the fiber in an apple, but you're worried about the fructose, come on, you know, you know, fruits and vegetables, you can't go wrong and it's very hard to overeat, but can you drink too much orange juice? Yeah. You took the fiber out, right? So fiber is your friend. Fiber is filling and make sure you have plenty of water. That in itself tends to be a game changer for a lot of my clients. In so many ways. 
in so many ways. And that, hydration and, is key. And that's what, yeah. And and I'm just bringing up these things because I, by the way, I drink sparkling water. I don't even really drink too much, just pure tap water. Not that I have anything <laughs> against it. I just, I like sparkling water, right? I personally don't have a problem with having Coke Zero, stuff like that. I, I just, I don't have a problem with that myself. Uh, some people stay away from that. I don't believe the research is there to say that it's something that you you can't take in, but I don't have a lot of it. I have mainly just sparkling water, zero calorie. It fills me. It's more sati- uh, It's more satisfactory to me uh, having the bubblies, I guess you would say, right? And I like that. And also, by the way, uh, Rob Wolf, he wrote a, uh, a book. Just um, I used to coach him, right? And you, you know that. But he wrote that Wired to Eat book. And not that I'm necessarily always promoting like one way or another, right? Like, yes, he did start a lot of the paleo movement, or at least that was a part of what his demographic was. But what I really liked in his book or what he talked about there a lot more was just how you would combine, let's say, having a salty thing, right, or a sweet thing, and how you could start to use other options to give yourself the same feeling. You don't you don't need to necessarily go to those potato chips or that ice cream. And so if I have bubbly water, and even if I just say add some lime to it and some lemon and lime to it, let's say, right, that, that makes me feel really satisfied afterwards. And I just say, you know, wait a minute, if you if you eat a big ass salad and you have plenty of water and then you still want something uh, starchy you have it don't deprive yourself but you're probably going to have less of it but a lot of times just wait a few more minutes because it takes a little bit of time for that fiber for example to 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 do its magic we'll say right and then you realize well my stomach's actually full now i'm not hungry um i don't need to but have that but, extra but it's 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 the extra right is you get into a comfort zone. You always hear like you go to the South, eat comfort food. And there's a lot to be said about that. And I want to, I want to have part two of this coming up. And here's why is because getting out of one's comfort zone is, is hard for a lot of people. It's very difficult for people in a mental ability, a a mental approach, uh, an emotional approach, a physical approach. You, a lot of people get into their comfort zone. They get into a routine that's it's, Oh, five o'clock. I worked the full day. I'm going to go home. I'm going to eat a big dinner. I'm going to lay on the couch. I'm going to go to bed. I'm not, my metabolism's not popping all the time. And if to get out of that comfort zone is what scares people. And so Part two of this is going to be wrapped around this article still. And the article is about Chad building of the foul life is always on the hunt for a training edge. So that word edge is important to me. I want to talk about what does that mean? You hear that living on the edge, zero Smith or movies where people are like right there on the edge of life. And they're just they're You know, you don't have to be a Red Bull extreme athlete to live on the edge or to be hunting for an edge. What does looking for that edge mean? What is your edge? How do you find that edge to get results, to figure out what your achievements are, your short-term goals, your midterm goals, your long-term goals, all that. What is that edge? And then with that, What is a comfort zone and what is a threshold and how do you get out of that comfort zone and past that threshold 
to get to that edge to see results. And I think that there's that, and I just started reading like, man, that, uh, that, that title of that article that Michael Berg, who obviously is a smart dude to interview us when it comes to, to training, right? <laughs> that was a joke, but he really is because Matt knows his shit. And you see Jack links is a partner of ours and their partner in this, and they they're advertising in muscle and fitness because that mentality of protein and, 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 and taking in, you know, wholesome proteins like a piece of beef jerky by Jack links is, is a smart thing to do instead of eating a cherry filled pie or a, or a cinnamon roll. It just is. That's the way it is. You don't have to cut that out of your life hundred percent, but what does that title mean to always be hunting or searching or living on the edge or finding that edge, getting through your threshold? What is a threshold? I want you to study up on that. I know you know that, but I want the listeners like, what is a threshold? I run, I, I go, I'm going to run for three miles today. Well, I get to about three quarters of a mile and my freaking shins feel like somebody's cutting into them with a chainsaw. But then when I get past that next quarter mile, they feel like I'm the best runner in the world and nothing's going to stop me. That's one threshold, a mental threshold, an emotional threshold. What is a threshold? And then how do you get out of that comfort zone long enough to find that threshold, get past that threshold and get to that edge? I think that there's a lot to be said in that. And I think that part two, we need to really go in and focus on what is your edge? What is making you the person you are every day? Or do you, are, do you have an edge to you? Like, what is it mean? What does that mean? What does hunting for an edge mean? Training for an edge mean? What does it mean? I know what it means, but I want to like challenge people. Like, what does that mean daily of like, are you really getting out of your comfort zone to a threshold through the threshold and finding your edge? Because once you find your edge, you're going to start seeing results. And then from that comes a little bit of an addiction person, addictive personality. It doesn't mean that you're going to become a heroin addict or an M&M addict or anything. It just means that you're going to be goal and results driven. And that, that lifestyle is what I'm trying to talk about right now. Yeah. So I, I think I would also tell the listeners to think about what your why is. Because, you know, again, I, I shameless plug, I guess I would say, but if you listen to the Pandola Project, that's anywhere you get your podcast, you can listen to us. We're always talking about, especially all things health and fitness, but the mental edge, we talk about that a lot. And a lot of times when I'm talking to people, I'm just asking the simple question, why? And they can't answer that. Ask yourself why you're doing something. It's got to eventually come to an intrinsic answer. It's got to lead to your legacy or it's not going to work long term. And there are some short term goals as long as you know going into it. Like, yeah, I want to get I want to I don't care what Matt says. I want to lose 20 pounds for my wedding. and It's going to be, you know, six weeks of this and then I'm going to I'm, I'm going to get out of it. OK, that's a little different. And maybe you could do something like that. But knowing your why and having an edge, being able to push through your threshold, push through barriers like you're saying, this this is something that I feel like most people really need to understand themselves and their goals a little bit better. So ask yourself, why? Why do you have this goal. And when you can ask yourself why five, six, seven times. Okay. And that's from the five, six, seven Academy. That's literally a thing that I went to. 
it's amazing that when you keep asking yourself why, how eventually you do find your true edge. So I would finish with this is I came up with an acronym that I like to use with my clients and it's just called fit, right? So if you want to be fit now, this is mentally fit, physically fit. This is all, this is life fitness. Okay. Focus on intentional techniques. And that can be techniques for lifting in the gym. That could be techniques for nutrition strategies, okay? That can be technique for your business planning, for financial strategies, et cetera, okay? But most of the time, again, it's not that... I spun my wheels, Chad, for years, years, just working hard, grinding, grinding, Okay, but I didn't have my why down. And so I'm not saying that that was all worthless. I I was able to gain some traction, but not what I probably should have been able to do. And it wasn't until I really started understanding that about myself. And you brought up Rick Revelio earlier. I'm having lunch with him in a couple of weeks and Jim Zaccheo. And I tell you what, those guys are still staples in my life. And, and Rick had taught me a little bit more about, I just sat down with him and I said, Rick, I'm, I'm considered to be quote unquote successful at this point, but I'm not where I want to be. And he started asking me these questions because I wanted to know, because there's, I, I know not everybody listening knows who Rick Revilio is. Just know that he's a legacy in our community. And there's probably not a better example in my mind of being a, a person who is serving others and making a difference in all of our lives uh, that's surrounded by somebody like Rick. We're all lucky. And I said to Rick, you know, what, how do you do it? Right. So now I sound like a client that's asking me about taking in exact amount of calories. Right. And he's just kind of looking at me and saying, well, Matt, what's why? What's important to you? What kind of legacy do you want to let you know? And then that conversation sparked a lot. And I walked away that day with uh, starting with a real plan. And that's when I finally started getting some traction. And then I eventually came up with the FIT acronym that I really believe in. I think that yeah, that is awesome. something that works for everybody if you really take the time. And by the way, I say take the time. I mean, you, it probably wouldn't take you as long as you think to come up with your why. Five, six, seven times, ask yourself why. Yeah. And I think that's huge. And I think that that why and the fit acronym goes with threshold and comfort zones and comfort levels and how to get out of that, how to get past it. Like I said, the threshold and then find that edge. And I, I think that fit goes with an edge. And I think that your why goes with an edge It might all go together. And that's what I want to, I want to try to figure out what does the edge mean? How do you get through thresholds? And how do you get out of your comfort zone, your comfort levels, and how do you stay out of them for longer periods of time? And I think that causes a lot of stress and a lot of worry with people. So part two of this, we're going to dive into more of the muscle and fitness article. I want to know what it means, like what it means of thresholds, your fit Ackerman comfort zones and comfort levels and finding your edge and getting results and, and short-term goals, midterm goals, long-term goals, achievements, and becoming a little bit more addictive to that type of lifestyle than just settling. And I think that a lot of people are fine with settling and that's fine too. That is. But if you want results, I think that we're onto something here. Part two is coming up. This life ain't for everybody podcast. My good buddy, my mentor, my trainer, Pendola, Matt Pendola, check out his podcast, the Pendola project, anywhere that you can find your podcast content. His wife, Erin is an unbelievable trainer. Check him out at pendolatraining.com and get results guys. This has been another episode of this life ain't for everybody. Thank y'all so much. We will be back. Back with another exciting episode soon. 
money's all gone I'd rather be poor living off in a hole Than rich as hell without a soul Life on earth won't last that long What you gonna do when the money's all gone Say life on earth won't last that long What you gonna do when the money's all gone